Ladies and gentlemen, we interrupt our program of dance music to bring you a special bulletin from the Intercontinental Radio News. It's time for a peculiar podcast. In your wildest dreams, you could not imagine the marvelous surprises that await you. Hosted by Pat Cashman. He had a fiery quality on the stage and off the stage, and he was gorgeous to look at. And back by his side, Lisa Foster. She has tattoos, she's cool, she's dangerous. Broadcasters turned rogue podcasters. It's <laughs> just a real nice surprise. They're back and on demand. Just press the button. See, you're on. Ready or not, it's Pat and Lisa. Some people without brains do an awful lot of talking, don't they? Yes, I guess you're right. <laughs> Quiet, numbskulls, I'm broadcasting. Can you dig it? Yeah, yeah, I can dig it. It's love and And we are back. Thank you all. Thank you all so much. We are in the, uh, what essentially would be the second part of our 100th podcast. And uh, we again come to you. And huge thanks to the folks at Third Place Commons. Uh, Constance... And I don't want to screw her name up here. Constance Perenyi and Samantha Bosch. Thank you, Samantha. Third Samantha's, place books here. Samantha's helping us run the board over there, too. Thank you, Samantha. I, uh, I never really knew this was here before. I've been in the, the third place bookstore, but I never came over to the commons here. This is a very nice, yeah. got a nice vibe here and everything. And the, got, we're sitting on a little stage. If you're not... Uh, if you're not here yourself, you could see that for yourself, but if you're just listening, that's the physical setup here. And the amount of room they have for people here is yeah. amazing. As we mentioned in the first half, we had no idea that they could get 10,000 people in here. So that, am I counting that right? This is, uh, this is beating a lot of the Mariners uh, crowds right now. This is... Yeah, not tooting our horn. Um, we... I do a, a TV show with and my son's a part of it and my friend John Keister and it's called The 206. Yeah, give him a hand. You've seen it. Right there, The 206. Nice job. Stand up, sir. Show everybody that t-shirt. But here's yes. the way here's the way we look at that two, the 206 show. If we do a, a Mariners joke, we, we actually worry, what if they start winning? Our joke won't work anymore. I mean, we actually root against the Mariners. <laughs> just so you can make fun just, of them. Just until the show airs, and then they can start winning after that. Uh, and, and, I, and we really don't want them to get Big Bertha going for another year, if possible. <laughs> I think we're pretty safe on that one, from what I hear. Uh, so let's do some other quick thank yous. And, and uh, you know, these are, these are folks that gave us things to give away. They're in-kind sponsors. And I'll let you... Yeah, just again, thanks to our sponsors for giveaways, Third Place Commons, uh, Third Place Books. We're going to be giving away a couple of gift certificates for Third Place Books right over there. Uh, Lake Forest Park Farmer's Market, that's going on downstairs. Uh, anybody head out there yet? Do you guys head down there? Yeah? What'd you buy? Caramel corn. Did you bring enough for everyone? Okay, fine. Uh, two Trading Tigers, the Shoreline Lake Forest Park Arts Council. Thank you very much. Gary Hamburg, fantastic photographer. We've got a couple of prints we're giving away. And uh, also, uh, Jeffrey Castle is giving uh, uh, some CDs away of his violin music. Did, yeah, he also, did he have a T-shirt he was giving us, too? What's the T-shirt say? Does it say, like, the 206 on it? What does it say? 
Okay, so we'll be giving those away as well. Uh, we're going to be giving away compilation CDs of Peculiar Podcast, all 94 episodes in one handy little container. And we will also be giving away all of these pineapple upside-down cake boxes are going home with somebody tonight. Not one person. 24 people. So here's the thing. I ordered these. I, I, I told Pat I was going to go see if I could round up some cases of pineapple upside-down cake. You mentioned last episode they are hard to find. It's very hard. And, and, and Pineapple Supreme is the alternate name of the product. But that doesn't count. Really. Well, but you said that, that, we, that we should still turn those over because yeah. the man's trying to trick us. Yeah, yeah. And then there are other things you can do like turnover, frozen turnovers you can turn over. And, um, <laughs> and I, I even went into the store one time, went over to the soda pop section and turned all the bottles of 7-Up on its side except I left 7-Up. That was even too obscure for me. <laughs> the manager of the store isn't going to notice. So. so I actually did not go around to any local stores to ask them if they had cases of pineapple upside down cake. And I sure as heck wasn't going to buy one box at a time. So I did the only thing I could do, and that was go on Amazon.com. You can seriously, it is the everything store. Amazon.com is the everything store. And, and I typed it in, and it said yes. Pineapple upside down cake mixes by the case, not by the box, by the case. And I said, fantastic. And I clicked two, and it was on Prime. I didn't even have to pay for shipping. And they showed up at my door. And you said that was probably the only time. No, now the more I think about it, they've it's ever like, had hey, that. Bo- of- hey, Dave, we got another order for the pineapple upside down cake. <laughs> Happens three or four times a day. I don't understand. Um, let's uh, now going in a wildly divergent direction, which is how we always operate. I introduced, uh, when I was a kid, I just, for some reason, was attracted to this, this kind of honky-tonk music, Buck Owens and things like that, because uh, I'm not really a country music fan, but these oh, guys... Really? These, yes, you are. No, I'm really not, but these guys were sort of old-school, different... And there's even a little bit of, like I say, honky-tonk, a little bit of rock and roll in there. And, uh, and my all-time favorite artist, do you have it ready to go? Oh, my gosh. Really? Dave Dutton. Go ahead. Clap. I got on my wheels and I went out on the town dragon. Four people are clapping, Pat. They're listening. Keep it going, then. Judge waiting for me to pay. Mm-hmm. I had a sweet little honey just two six packs away. All right, all right, all right, all right. I told the judge there was two trees. All right, all right. You, that's enough of that. Not for me, but I think for you. Uh, and I want to thank Arthur Allen, who's sitting over there. He made the, that CD for me uh, based on the actual album that I owned as a kid. And, uh, and then the wonderful surprise is I would bug you with this Dave Dudley stuff, and you'd act very annoyed and irritated about it. But then one day, uh, during my birthday, on the air, you somehow, with somebody else's help, I think, located Dave Dudley. The real, actual Dave Dudley. Who was we a real guy. Him, we tracked him down. He was long retired. Um, it could, you know, probably barely sit up, but he... Yeah. 
he was just he was so nice about joining us on the show as a surprise for you. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know who it would be for the rest of you. It would be something like uh, Paul McCartney or you know uh, somebody of that ilk, uh, Springsteen. But for me, Dave Dudley. I was just so yeah. I, I was so nervous, and I can't. Oh my God. It's, it's actually Dave Dudley. Well, what am I going to say? Yeah, you were so cute about yeah, it. It was great. He it was, was a very really nice guy, good sport. Very cool that you did that. Um, I wanted to introduce kind of quickly, because I just mentioned Dave Dudley, a couple of other people who are here, and then I'm going to bring up a guest who's going to talk about movies, which is one of the things we, we would do a lot, which you have to do in a morning show, but... We had uh, the perspective of a very unusual person. But before he comes up, and because I've just played Dave Dudley, maybe some of you would remember from the radio show a woman who claimed to be Dave Dudley's sister, I think, <laughs> although she could have been his wife, Miss Dudley. Yes, Miss Dudley. So now you've always been Miss Dudley. You've never said a first name, and I won't ask you now. Uh, but what is what was your relationship with Mr. Dudley? So I'm clear about it. Well, good afternoon, Mr. Cashman. <laughs> it's so wonderful to see you. But I is Dave Dudley's sister. You is. Hi. Uh, well, are you his much younger sister, older? What? Oh, much younger, thank you. <laughs> Did he play that kind of music around the house when you were growing up? Oh, all the time, and it's how I came to love it. I heard it so much growing up. What would be your favorite song in the Dave Dudley canon? I just played Two Six Packs Away. What's your favorite? That is my favorite. <laughs> I figured it was. Thank you, Miss Dudley. Miss yes. Dudley, everybody. Thank you kindly. Thank you kindly. That's and, actually my favorite one, too. Yeah. is a truck driver measuring the distance he had to travel <laughs> by how many six-packs he would consume. <laughs> Drinking and driving, always a charming theme. Um, and also, here's another fellow is here. I'm delighted. I hoped he would come, and he did. Uh, can, can you come on up here, please? I think people will, will recognize you when they hear your voice. I won't even tell you who it is. That's a good idea. This will be a good he test. Until he gets here. Um, would call in regularly. Your name, please. Hi, how y'all doing? This here's Ego Joe with another delicious Ego recipe for y'all. <laughs> okay, he's got an Ego recipe for y'all. Here it is. What you want to do, get yourself an Ego, and then you put some wild game on that, and then you don't eat it for a while. You got yourself a Hunger Game Ego literary <laughs> theme for the bookstore. Thank you, Ego Joe. Ego Joe. Nicely done. All right. Hey, um, not to, to uh, get personal here, but we do that all the time. Um, Are you looking at me? Yeah. You always scare me when you do that. When you start off a sentence with, I don't mean to get personal, you do. Well, I care. You get really personal. That's because I care about you. And I'm just wondering if you have uh, any new uh, romance in your Why life. Why are you asking me this? I don't, I don't you know. And you know the answer to that, don't you? No. What, do you what do you all think? No. <laughs> I hate these people. It, isn't it inexplicable to you, though? This, oh, please. This lovely woman has been 
lonely and bitter for a long time. Well, I mean, it just doesn't. Things in life don't make sense a lot of times. That is actually um, the air freshener in my car. That's <laughs> that Boys Dave Tab. <laughs> yes. Boys are smelling. Yes, thank well, I you. Just, I, just, I, I do. You know, it's it's hard. Is anybody here do done the online dating? It's okay to admit now. It's not like it's you know a taboo. Any nobody? Am I the only one? Well, you know, there's at least one uh, couple here today that, in a tangential way, because of our radio show, and I, particularly because uh, we got fired from the radio show, they came together at a rally, didn't know each other, then. And it ultimately resulted in their marriage. This and they're, is really... They're both here today. Stand up. Right there. Okay. Dennis O'Reilly. And Miss And his Dudley. wife, Lynn Barker. Yes, Lynn. That's very cool. And uh, I got, I, they invited me to the wedding. Did you go? I, yeah, I was yeah. at the wedding. I was under the table most of the wedding. Do you yeah. remember that? Yeah, you yeah. really put it away, didn't you? I know you, I that? did. <laughs> it's all our fault. Um, real quick, before you have something, I know you want to read some of the comments. Did um, did somebody have something to bring up to give me? Debbie, is Debbie here? Debbie, hurry up, put the drink bring down. On Come here. on up. We have uh, uh, some- Debbie Scholes has been uh, helping us, by the way, with our uh, accounting uh, for Peculiar Podcast. Not that there's much, not that there's much, but we want to thank you. So, what is this? This is a gift for you. Uh, a gift for me. For my, uh- my appreciation. Oh, okay. Do I have to share it with Pat? I'd like to make sure that you continue. Okay. So it is a. I would like oh. to. Be able to <laughs> Big surprise. It's a bottle of vodka. It's a bottle of Stolies. How about that? It's just my size and it's just my color. Thank hmm. you so much. I would have gone with the pop off myself, but. Thank you, Debbie. That's very kind of you. Okay, let's run through some uh, questions and and uh, we'll try to provide some answers here in no particular order, and then I'm going to bring up. Another guest. Yes. Uh, all right. Um, here's a question from Angie. Do Billy and Nancy live on your farm, Pat? How are they doing? Billy was a goat that uh, is a goat that lived in the studio. He did not with live us. in the studio. Yeah. No, he didn't. Sure, he did. He was a sound effect. No. Yeah. What's the matter with you? <laughs> He was a sound effect. No, it's not a sound effect. You thought it was a sound effect. It was a sound it's effect. It's an actual goat living in the studio. And then, because he got lonely, we, I eventually brought a cow in to keep him company named Nancy. That's who uh, Angie's referring to, Billy and Nancy. I know who And she's yes, they are to. real. They're not sound effects. And they do live on the farm still. Billy is uh, pretty old for a goat. He's about 47. And um, Nancy still produces... Uh, Milk. Generous quality, quantity of milk, and she is uh, probably 35, 40 now, something like that. Do you remember that really, um, that very snarky email a woman sent when I, you were on vacation and I was taking over as host and I was, wouldn't let Billy and Nancy in the studio, mm-hmm. and this woman actually left the message for um, uh, Dustin Hor- Hormsby, and I think this is what she called him. And she, she really was very angry with me for treating those little animals so poorly. <laughs> do you remember that? Yeah, I yeah. do. I love yeah. her. I loved her. She, her voice was like, hello, Mr. Hornby. That woman or girl is very cruel to those animals. Yes. 
And I don't like it. And the women in my women's group don't like it. Get her off the air. How many times did I hear that? It was great. Get her off the air. Here's another question. Uh, It says, where's the bathroom? (laughs) I don't know myself. Um, You go down there and you go to the right and then you go to the left and you just keep going. Otherwise, I can loan you the keys to my car and you can just go to my house. Either way. Earlier in our uh, little podcast here, we were talking about uh, eating bugs because we found a bunch of weevils in our pancake ba- uh, flour t- this morning. And Eric says a great food is silkworm larva. Eric says that. That's Vietnamese dish, best meal, uh, lobster at somewhere in Boston. Legal. Legal's in Boston. Are you Eric? Yeah. Have you eaten silkworms? You get it at work. Look at how shiny well, you're his getting coat. It at work, all right. Look how shiny his coat is. Yeah, it is. <laughs> we have to start eating some. Any chance of the bit point counterpoint coming back to the podcast? Oh, Asked Jeremy. Yeah, excellent. I don't even remember it. Which one was I? I'll point or counterpoint? I don't know. Right. We'll, we'll look it up. Yeah, it was a great bit. That was a great bit. Can you talk about things you've seen of what people do while driving? This is, um, like, have you seen them flossing? Uh, the, the, the most amazing one I ever saw was a guy who had his foot up on his steering wheel, and traffic was moving. I don't know, I, think, I assume it was his foot. And it was up on the steering wheel while he's driving, and he was <laughs> clipping his toenails oh while driving. Incredibly dexterous. That must have made you jealous. Well, I was so dexterous, I know. (laughs) Man, if I could do do that. that? I could do that. Because you want to make use of your time. You're in your car. Yeah. You could be listening to the radio, which we don't recommend, or you could (laughs) listen to a book on tape, or you could do some grooming in the car. Yeah. And to this day, I still carry my electric shaver. It's in my car right now. Because you never know, you might. Why, the, your day might go a different direction than you planned, and all of a sudden you got to show up someplace, mm-hmm. and you don't want to look hirsute. How fast do you grow a beard? I mean, if you just did it like... It starts you, speeding up the older you get. Oh, it does? Yeah, I have to shave about every 12 minutes. No. <laughs> and then if I have to do my back, then that <laughs> takes even longer. Jim Carlson says, as somebody who frequently arrives at work grumpy, I've always been curious, how does one remain on for a radio show? Yeah, so we would uh, t- we would typically actually start the show at 5 a.m. Remember, we actually had a 5 to 10 a.m. show. So it was five hours every single day with him. And uh, so we I, I would get up about 3 a.m. to get there. And I don't know what time you would get up because you live quite a, white, a ways away. Yeah. But y- yeah, I usually it, just stay it up was, all night. Yeah. yeah. It was tough because you would really be, uh, you'd have to go to bed at eight. And you used to tell me you'd be really mad. Like, you don't, I don't want to go to bed, but I know I have to go to bed, but I don't want to go to bed. Yeah. I was like a little kid about yeah. that. Yeah. I have to go to bed at 8, 8, 8 p.m. And, and get up at 3 a.m. And it was hard. Coffee. I, I don't know. There was just something about when the on the air sign came on. You just... You kind of went with it. They, uh, I heard Lorne Michaels, uh, the Saturday Night Live producer, say once, we, we, don't go, we don't go on the air because our show is ready to go. Right. We go on because it's 11.30 right. p.m. Exactly. Saturday night. And that's kind of the way it is in radio, too. We had a situation where we had a King 1090 decided to have their Christmas party on a weeknight. 
Remember that? They had their Christmas party on a weeknight. Yeah, I do remember and, that. And uh, so we all went to the Christmas party, and I don't think we wrapped up till 10 or 11, knowing that we were going to have to get our, our big heinies up and do the show at 5 in the morning. Remember that? And well, I, was I don't doing, remember the big I was heiny doing, part. I was, <laughs> I was doing traffic for you at that point. So we kind of all knew we were going to be dragging, but you came on, you flicked the switch. I was standing by ready to do traffic, and I remember you just came on. Good morning, everybody. We're ready to do the show. Like you, like you hadn't even lost any sleep at all. It was very funny. Well, yeah. Funny. Of course, it was preposterous. Uh, here's a more serious question from Celeste. Why does it take so long for your show to be loaded onto Cairo on demand? I don't know. Dave? Do you want to say anything about that? Yeah, we don't know. They don't uh, talk to us much anymore. Yeah, we don't, you know, we, we can't tell them, we can't get bossy with them because they're nice enough to carry it. Mike in West Seattle reports, I have an itchy, 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 itchy rash. It's where, not really a que- That's not really a question. It's just more of a comment. Do either of you get more nervous at small live events or big live events? Oh, definitely big live events like this one. <laughs> for me. No, I, but it's true. The, and I don't know if you're this way. The bigger the audience, the more at ease I am. I agree. It's when I had to walk into a room and there's like six people there or something like that. Then, I, then Yeah, I wonder what the psychology of that is. I don't is. know what it is. Maybe a big crowd becomes an amorphous... Sort of a blob. Yeah. But when you're just a few people, you're looking at individual faces. And they're sneering at you. And they're not happy with you. And you can see the contempt, like that guy right over there. Do you see that guy right there, Pat? Yeah. Yeah. I've been watching him the whole time. He's got his his hand in his pocket, too. And and then he comes out and scratches his finger like it's itchy. Yeah. Then it goes back into his pocket. Yeah. He might be packing heat. Yeah, I'm not sure. Charlie says, tell me an old Art Bell story. Do, does, do people know who Art Bell was? He did this, this overnight show. Is he still uh, on the air? No. Syndicated? There's a guy named Art. Uh, um, George. Nori. George Nori. Thank you. Good call. Uh, but Art Bell lived in this place called Harumph, Nevada. It's way out in the sticks somewhere. And he'd do the show by himself out there. Just he and his wife lived out there. But he, 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 I, the station we worked at briefly, Como, they just couldn't figure out what to do in their afternoon drive. And so somebody there came up with the idea, I know what we'll do. Art Bell gets fantastic ratings overnight. Let's put the Art Bell show on. We'll put the rerun of it on during the afternoon drive home, and people will love it. Didn't work a lick because that show has to be heard at night, preferably after mm-hmm. midnight. Yeah. When, when, you, when you're a little bit scared anyway. And you're anyway. by yourself and it's dark and yeah. You talk about conspiracies and things like that. A typical thing would be, uh, with us on the air tonight is uh, Dr. Felix Swenson. Uh, Dr. Swenson used to be with NASA uh, and he has some interesting information and some much more interesting photos. Uh, you can see them on our website right now. What are we looking at here, Dr.? Well, Art, uh, we're looking at photos that NASA has suppressed that they did not want you to see. Now, if you look at this one here. I'm looking at it now. That is, that is clearly a dwelling on the moon. <laughs> it looks like a mountain or a stalactite or something. Well, I know. They, they made it to look like that, but that's actually a dwelling where aliens are living. 
And somehow, right. listening to that kind of stuff at night, it started to sound plausible. Right. And, and that was the magic of that show and the time that it was on. Is that him? Hmm? That's that, him. That's him. How did you get that there, Dave? You're amazing. Yeah, that's Art Bell. His, yeah. He, and he was enormously good, popular. Good-looking man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You wonder why he's stuck in radio. I don't know. Why, does Lisa, why did Lisa have multiple names when she did radio traffic reports? Me? Yeah, this is from uh, Heather, the aforementioned oh, Heather. Uh, I, yeah, I was, a tra- I was a traffic reporter when I came. In, in 1991, I came to Seattle to pursue radio, and I, was, I wasn't Pat's only traffic reporter. I was sort of stepping out on him with other stations. Uh, so th- we would typically have between five and seven stations and television stations to do traffic for. So you guys would do traffic. What did King 1090 do? Because it was a news station. We do traffic every 10 minutes or something like that. Or I don't every know. 15 minutes or something. But I had a lot of other stations between him, his reports to do. And uh, they all uh, wanted, uh, I think King 1090 wanted me to just be Lisa Foster on your station. Why? I don't know. So they said, you can't be Lisa Foster on any other station. I went, all right. So we started to come up with different names for me. I was uh, Kendall Elliott on 107.7 The End. The reason I came up with that name was because Kendall Jackson's my favorite wine. So we just went with that. I was Lisa Hunter on KBSG 97.3. I was Christine Russell on KISW. uh, Did traffic for uh, Bob Rivers. And then my favorite was, uh, I was Danielle Clark. And then my favorite was Muffy the Traffic Maiden on Cube 93. God, how did you keep all those balls in the air? It was was... hard. And I had, I I would, because you'd be switching from stations so fast, I had uh, flip cards. And occasionally I'd flip to the wrong card. And I wouldn't know what station I was on, who I was supposed to be. But mostly... The, the, the on-air personalities would help me if I would stutter and say, I'm, uh, and they'd say, you're Muffy the traffic maiden. On that, so they would help me out. But, yeah. so, some of these questions we're going to uh, table, and, and then we'll, we'll read them on our subsequent regular podcast. <laughs> yeah, but, that's good. But here's, we'll one, here's one more, and this is a good question from uh, X Parrot. Lisa, have you sprained or broken your thing recently? Excellent question. I think you know the answer to that. Yeah. That was a sort of a dumb bit that we did. And I don't all even dumb, know, but it's I don't fun. even know how it started. I think it was... It was the uh, idea well, that you were tap dancing. Well, but, but it kind of started because you needed some time to do something. Because we were so prepared on that show. And you said, Lisa, cover for me. And Dustin started playing. I said, well, what do you want me to do? Tap dance? And so... He started to play the tap dancing, and that's kind of how that whole me tap dancing thing got started. I don't know how it, it turned into that I would always end up crashing and burning and hurting my thing, but that's how it always and turned ne- out. And the thing you hurt was never defined, no. which was the and funny I would thing say, don't, about don't, it. Don't, don't, don't touch my thing. Don't touch it. I, and I would, the, what, what happened to the thing would always change. I either skinned it, I fractured it, I uh, broke it. I scuffed it. I um, uh, it had an abrasion, so it was always sort of different, but kind of a kind of a dumb bit. But well, it was a nice was question, funny. and 
and we'll get maybe some more questions here. I have in front of me, by the way, a product people have asked me about over the years. It's once a day Vulcan class, low sodium, chlorous flour, fluoroflavin, philogestin, Galbophase 2000. You remember that? And what you might not have heard about are some of the uh, some of the finer details. It's a completely natural source of alpha omega twenty seven polyunsaturated fluoroflavonoids derived from test tube prepared galbophaceous philogestin calica eighteen. Keep this and all medications out of the reach of children, senior citizens, pregnant women, nursing mothers, nursing grandmothers, <laughs> weird fathers, escaped convicts, middle-aged men and women. Do not take this if you're currently taking any other medications. You have any allergies. You drink more than one alcoholic beverage a year. Have any communicable disease or overweight, underweight. Have hypertension, high blood pressure, oversized thighs, hangnails, or are just plain flat-ass ugly. <laughs> I I still have that around. That's very funny. Well, Fridays was always my favorite day of the week, and not just because, you know, it meant we're going to get on, have a weekend now, and it's the end of the week, and we don't have to do the radio show, because I like doing the radio show. But for me, this, my personal favorite thing every week was when this guy would come by the station with his completely skewed, different view of what is good and what is bad. And with something, the worse something is uh, in the general the better he op- thought it was. opinion of most of us, he loved it. He gravitated towards us. And over time, he persuaded me, at least, to say, he's right. Crappy is better. <laughs> His name, <laughs> Professor Fred Hopkins. Yeah. He is here. Professor Fred Hopkins. Thank you, sir. Sit right down there. Nice to see you. Discombobulatedly delighted to be oh, here. I'm turgid, I'm erotic, I'm <laughs> constipated, I'm ready to rock. Yeah, we used to call your feature every week the turgid, erotic, constipated movie of the week. Aptly named. Yes, it was. And so uh, you still continue this quest to find the worst movies of all time. That's, At- those are my words, not yours. You have a different feeling about them. Well, I think they're the most fun movies of all time, but absolutely, Pat, I am, I am continuing to do that. I teach a schlock cinema course at uh, North Seattle College now. and have done You can it for actually like, get credit for a course like that? You do. You do. Wow. And, uh, and I, people actually pay me. It's kind of weird. It's a weird concept. Well, and, if, you, uh, if you can make it work for yourself, go absolutely. for it. Yeah. It's compobulated so stuff. And the lower the budget, the higher the movie in your estimation. Absolutely. All they right. saved Hitler's brain, that kind of stuff. Yeah, well, I'm going to dive right into it here. I, brought, uh, I got two movies that I wanted to, you to opine on. Absolutely. These are real movies. The first of them is called The Terror of Tiny Town. And the movie begins with... Uh, an introduction like this, Dave. soul-stirring drama, a searing saga of the sagebrush, and it's called The Terror of Tiny Town. But I must caution you not to take it too seriously. Uh, this picture begins... A little hey, fellow... Hey, mister, come down here. I want to talk to you. ...has walked uh, up to the announcer. He's whispering to him. Excuse me, there's a slight correction. Whispers some more stuff to the guy. You mean it is serious? Sure it's serious. I'm the hero. After this picture's out, I'll be the biggest cowboy star in Hollywood. Wait a minute. 
Who'll be the biggest star in Hollywood? Now, bad guys, who are you? come on. Well, who are you? I'm the villain. I'm the toughest hombre that ever threw lead. And I ain't afraid of the biggest one of you. I'm the terror of Tiny Town. And that's the star part. Now, so the, the movie is absurd in its tastelessness in terms of the real casting they did for the film. It's an all midget or all dwarf cast. They're riding tiny horses. They're, every cowboy is tiny, and the name of the town is Tiny Town. Absolutely, Pat. And, and that was Billy Curtis who uh, actually said that. He's the star of the movie. Uh, it's totally degrading to everybody concerned. They ride around on Shetland ponies. They walk under the doors when they go in, under the saloon doors. Uh, you know, they're always, uh, about half the cast is actually children because they couldn't, they couldn't find enough midgets who would degrade themselves. To now, this, wh what year did this movie come out? 1938. 38. So yeah. this was around the time that The Wizard of Oz was made as well. Were some of these same actors in both the, films? Some of them were, absolutely. Billy Curtis was one. In fact, the, uh, again, the, the guy who plays the good guy, it's just your standard uh, Western where a bad guy becomes a terror of Tiny Town and Billy Curtis comes in the white hat on the Shetland pony and, and straightens everything out. But he actually was in a 1973 remake of this movie called Little Cigars with Angel Tompkins where he's, he straightens out a bunch of gangsters in the early 70s. So he was still gigging even then. Okay, so this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie because it has all the standard Western stuff. There you can see uh, on the screen for people who are here with us today. It's the hold up a stagecoach scene. And see if you can count the number of shots that go off during this scene. It's an absurd number of pistol shots. Ready? Yeah, number two. Let's pick up the trail and see what they're up to. Shetland ponies. Is that one gun? Probably. A couple on, of different guns, but you think they're using six shooters, but it sounds like about twenty-six hundred shooters. They haven't hit anything yet. Okay, well, we can fade that. That goes on and on and on. And you know, Pat, the, the movie actually cost $100,000. It's a very high, big-budget film for the 1938. Just yeah. for the plots alone. Every cent. Many theaters refused to even play it. So it, it was a, com I mean, how can you lose money when you're underpaying midgets to do this great Z? <laughs> I mean, it's, it, it's made in heaven to make money. And it's got, it, it has everything. The movie has everything. It has romance. It has action scenes like that. And it even has the barroom song that was sung. This is, these are just gorgeous voices you're about to hear. Oh, Listen to this. Boy. Do we 
have to keep listening. It gets better. The good part's oh, coming. Good. That was the good part. It just went by. Okay, great. Good. Okay. Nice. So, so there's there's some romance in it, and, absolutely. And you, but that's a different people singing there. They all sound sort of the same, but those are different voices. Well, and you know, midgets, uh, the the midgets who were in this movie, several of them were at the later Hollywood conventions that we went to in the '90s, and I got to meet a lot of them. They're very, very cool, very neat. And, and they, there would be tables, and they'd walk on the table. Billy Barty was always there, who's a very cool guy, very, very neat. And they would walk on the table when you would walk you know, without being elevated. And so they'd look right at you. It was very cool. What was the storyline of the Terror of Tiny Town? Isn't it just that the, the guy dressed in black comes, up, comes in, he takes over the town with, you know, little Shetland ponies and running under <laughs> saloon doors and things like that. And uh, then the, the guy, Billy Curtis, plays a guy in white, kind of discombobulated, constipated guy, drives in and, and uh, saves the town. So nothing really happens. It's, no, it's, 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 it's the worst, one of the worst movies ever made. Good. That's is why I wanted a, to feature today. Is this today. available on Netflix? Can we find I this think one? it is. It's really? public domain. I mean, you, you could actually re-release it. I mean, anybody who wants yeah, to. Yeah, I've, I've seen the, you can get the entire thing on YouTube, of course. Yep. Okay, yep. but if that was one of the worst movies of all time, I think most people agree that the next movie we're going to talk about, you're going to talk about, is the worst ever. Uh, agreed. Definitely, and, and, and we both have a personal connection to this movie, so yeah, I agree. Well, I don't understand what my personal connection is. Well, if you're talking about Plan 9 from Outer Space, and I am. then Conrad Brooks, who plays one of the police officers, was on your program with you and Lisa. And, uh, I didn't invite him. I didn't realize we were in the presence of such greatness. Well, yeah, he stayed with my brother-in-law on Capitol Hill for about six days. Yeah, he's a cool guy. We, we did a movie that never got released. Ah. Uh, that wasn't called Terror of no, Tiny no, Town no, no, 2, no, no, was it? No, no, no. <laughs> All right. Okay, so there was this kind of um, uh, psychic named Criswell, uh, that, a guy that thought he was a prognosticator of the future, and he's featured in this film, and he sort of opens the film right here. And then you'll hear several clips from the movie after that. Greetings, my friend. We are all interested in the future, for that is where you and I are going to spend the rest of our lives. And remember, my friend, future events such as these will affect you in the future. I saw a flying saucer. Saucer? You mean the kind from up there? Yeah, well, its counterpart. It was shaped like a huge cigar. One thing's sure, Specter Clay's dead. Murder, and somebody's responsible. What do you think will be the next obstacle the Earth people will put in our way? Well, as long as they can think, we'll have our problems. But those whom we're using cannot think. They are the dead, brought to a simulated life by our electrode guns. You know, it's an interesting thing when you consider the Earth people who can think are so frightened by those who cannot. Isn't that true? Absolutely, always. You'd have to see this to fully depreciate it, but it's poorly lit, uh, the costuming is awful, the, and the acting is, is spectacularly bad, and it really is the predicate for the movie Ed Wood, because that was a real-life guy that produced and directed this movie, Ed Wood, and if you've ever seen it, that film with uh, 
Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. That's what that was all about. It really, really happened just like that. And, and Ed Wood, of course, uh, wanted to star Bela Lugosi, who was a kind of a barroom friend of his, uh, in the movie. But Lugosi, uh, unfortunately, died a month before they did the filming. So Ed Wood had so he some was footage. the undead guy. Yeah, he was the undead. But they had footage for a movie called The Ghoul Goes West that Ed Wood was going to do of Lugosi kind of crying and knocking on Tor Johnson's door and walking around a gravestone, which they keep running throughout this movie, even though Lugosi is dead when the movie was made. They have uh, Ed Wood's chiropractor, Tom Mason, actually plays uh, Bela Lugosi in the movie. And he walks into the room with his cape over his head so right. you can't tell and, that and, it's not Lugosi. That's right, Pat. And Tom Mason is credited as being the first fake champ. Fake champ is sort of a Hollywood term for anybody impersonating another movie star. When movie stars die during a movie, they often, if they've filmed enough of it, they'll hire somebody to uh, replace them. Like Natalie Wood died during her last film. They had somebody replace them. I done that in right. this next... Uh, movie that Paul Walker wasn't able to finish for one of the fast yeah they did they like did that. a fake champ okay now here is uh, this is an example of the dialogue um, it, it sort of explains itself this is a guy one of the aliens explaining and this is one of the most famous lines in the movie you stupid fools <laughs> the way he says the word stupid is kind of strange <laughs> and then he explains how it's all going to work go ahead oh, Dave. forget about the flying saucers they're up there but there's something in that cemetery, and that's too close for comfort. The saucers are up there, and the cemetery's out there. But I'll be locked up in there. Spirits like old Farmer Caller talked about. <laughs> well, maybe. The only spirits he saw tonight were those I smelled on his breath. Oh, don't forget, Miss Trent claims to have seen them, too. All right, that wasn't the clip I was thinking of. It's, this, but, it's the third clip. I got it wrong, Dave. Yeah. Next time you try that, I won't aim at the board. You're a headstrong young man. So what if we do develop this solanite bomb? We'd be even a stronger nation than now. Stronger. You see? You see? You're stupid minds. Stupid. Stupid. <laughs> you speak of solanite. But just what is it? Deadly man love. Stupid. Yeah. Stupid. And, and believe it or not, he didn't do many other roles after this film. Yeah, it's hard. I think he'd be in huge demand after Dudley that. Dudley Manlove. <laughs> yeah. and, and an orchestra is named after him, of course. That's right. That's right. So, um, in short, give us your take on this film, Fred. Well, uh, it, it's Ed Wood. It's, it's the worst movie ever made. It was, it was actually uh, financed by two Baptist ministers who do a baptism in the movie. And, uh, and did a real-life baptism. If you watch the Ed Wood movie, uh, they're all being baptized. The whole cast is baptized in a swimming pool, and that's the two <laughs> Baptist ministers. Uh, again, Lugosi died during filming. It played as a double bill for one or two westerns, I think, in the late 50s. It was, it was uh, shot as Grave Robbers from Outer Space. Became Plan 9 at the last minute. Went to TV in, like, the early 60s, and then, as a result of the Golden Turkey book, became probably the most famous and monumental bad movie ever made. Nothing gets near it, really. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing all these horrible films with us over the years, Fred. I am not worthy, Pat. <laughs> Fred Hopkins, <laughs> Professor Fred Hopkins, everybody. It occurred to me uh, when we were in about our third clip there that that was getting a little tedious. It, what? More than a little tedious. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> but because I mean, they, they usually you have to look at these films then you, right. to be fully appalled by them. Exactly. But, yeah. So thanks, Fred. It was lo- it's always been a lot of fun, and um, let's see. Uh, we're gonna. This is third place commons that we are. We're not really broadcasting, but we're recording at. And we have lovely group of people here that joined us today on this. Yeah. This uh, otherwise sunny day outside i've just been hearing rain's coming rain's coming and we got another nice day yeah turned out to be a good one so hopefully everybody will head down to the farmer's market uh after the show yeah uh okay so what do we want to do less you want to give some stuff away do how do you want to yeah we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here well uh, we'll probably do some giveaways after we wrap up the taping so if there's anything else that you want to bring up um I have one final surprise for the group. Um, up, okay. up to you. Um, I was trying to think of some uh, some old story or something like that, and I, I tell this one way too many times, but uh, it's one of my. Uh, it really happened in our neighborhood. I might have told it on a recent podcast already. I forget, but uh, there was in the neighborhood my kids grew up in for most of their elementary school time there there were neighbor kids that had a dog named i think the dog's name was twinkie i think something like that it's one of those little little poodle dogs you know the the yippy yappy sort of dogs like a miniature poodle and so the parents of the of the family they thought it was amusing the way their dog in a pavlovian sort of way would respond to the word of a dog treat called snossages they just say the word snossages, and the dog goes, of running around and jumping on his hind legs and leaping over things. And he was so excited at the prospect he was going to get one of these snossages. And it was really cute and well-received for some years until the dog, as we all do, became superannuated, elderly, and not fully in charge of its... Um, ability to, to retain fluids yes if got it, it got excited and so it became then a point where if the word snossages was uttered the dog would immediately pee <laughs> all over the carpet in the house or on the couch or that's, wherever the dog was couldn't help nice. it yeah it's the same the so same you response think, you would think they'd just stop saying the word snossages yes and i think around the house they did okay but but somehow their kids started telling the neighbor kids about this phenomenon. And so, yeah. I'll never forget. My wife gets a phone call. It's in the early evening. She said, oh, hello, Mrs. Cashman? Yes. Uh, this is uh, Mar- Marv down the street. Um, I'm going to have to ask you to... <sighs> Boy, this is tough. I'm going to have to ask you to tell your kids not to come around our house anymore. Not even within earshot of our house. We don't want them anywhere, like within a couple blocks of the house. Well, why is that? Well, because what they're doing is they're going out in their bicycles and whatever and skateboards, and they're standing near our house and they're yelling, "Snossages!" <laughs> and 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 our carpets are getting ruined as a result. So we gave Very the kids good. a stern talking to while trying not to, to laugh ourselves. <laughs> yeah, In fact, I went over there and did it myself a couple of times. Yeah. Good for you. It really works. 
All right. Well, we want to thank everybody for uh, coming out to the taping. Uh, we are so excited to have uh, a few folks listening to what we do. We really got together to do this for fun because we just kind of missed what we were doing on the air. Uh, really, really didn't count on anybody actually taking time to listen to what we did, but it is just delightful to us and it's just a pleasure to be able to throw stuff together and have people comment and tell us how much they enjoy it it, it, it really honestly you have no idea how much that really does mean to us it, we're just we're we are blown away by that so thank you for that uh, so we're gonna be we're gonna wrap stuff up here with um, actually kind of a group giveaway here. This this ought to go smoothly, I'm sure. <laughs> the way I plan this one. Okay, good luck. Uh, but we are gonna be giving away. Um, we're gonna give away the rest of these prizes after we shut the tape off. Just so we'll we'll give those away. But right now we want to give away the compilation CDs that we have, and we're gonna give away all these pineapple upside down cake mix boxes. So. What you want to do, what you want to do, is you want to look under your chair. If you have a picture of a pineapple upside down box, this is going well so far, yeah. you will win a cake box mix. They're believing and it. And if you have a picture of the podcast, yay, you can come up and get a CD, all right? And so, if there's a chair near you that nobody is occupied, go ahead and yeah, look just, under that one. Just sho shove them over. All right, you guys, we'll, we'll get you up here in a moment. Thank you very much for coming. We appreciate it. If you find gum under your chair, you can keep that, too. Thanks for listening to Peculiar Podcast. Hey, goodbyes. <laughs> Join Pat and Lisa online at PeculiarPodcast.com. The gift that keeps on giving the whole year. And on the Peculiar Podcast Facebook fan page. Sweet. On Twitter at Peculiar Podcast, at Mr. Pat Cashman, and at Foster Chick. Join us and live in peace or pursue your present course and face obliteration.